Most of the time, we're trying to impress the people that we were meant to impact. Always fear the quietest man in the room. Remember the people who sacrifice to make your journey possible. Inspiration is something that you do that keeps you hungry. The biggest failure is to succeed in a life that's not you. Welcome back to another powerful episode of the Mindset Podcast. I'm your co-host, Gabriel, and every episode we bring you a dose of inspiration, wisdom, and compelling stories that are sure to take your mindset to the next level. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Stay tuned. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Podcast. Today, we have the honor of being joined by Eddie Borrego, who is the CEO uh, of medical of Jackson West Medical Center. Um, so we made a little exception. Uh, we usually don't bring on um, FSU folks. Uh, it's unfortunate, but nonetheless, we made we made the exception and we brought him on because he has a an impressive resume, except for that part, which is okay. We'll we'll kind of skip over and gloss over that. Uh, but nonetheless, Eddie, <laughs> welcome, welcome to the show. <laughs> welcome to the show, Eddie. We're we're so happy to have you uh, and and kind of get to know you a little bit more. Like I mentioned, you have a very impressive resume. You do a lot for our community, and we just wanted to get to know how you were able to do all that in in such a short amount of time. So the first question we have for you always, of course, is we start with our warm up round. Is if you were famous, what would you be famous for? Uh, well, in my house, I'm already famous. So I'm, you know, I think I'm, I'm good there. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I don't, I think it'd be really fun and cool. And I think I could do a good job if I were president. Hmm. Um, but you know, as you probably learn and know, some things are probably not very attainable and it's a process that takes many, many years. Um, although, you know, based on what we know now, anybody could really be president. So, um, you know, probably I would have a fun time. I think the country would do well if I were president. That's interesting. I think based off the the information that I know of you, Eddie, I think you would do a marvelous job considering um, our previous presidents. But that's an interesting <laughs> thing. I think um, I was I was kind of looking at this question. I'm happy I have your vote. You got you got two right here. You got you got two right two here. Two votes. <laughs> and I was looking at this question. And I'm like, dang, like, and I this is something that I'm like. What's what's the craziest thing that you can be famous for? And I was the other day I was watching TV and like the Nathan's like hot dog eating contest came oh, on. Yeah. This guy, I forget his name, but the guy who's like been like champion like over like five years. That guy probably has like the wildest fame, if you would to me. I'm like, this guy is just famous for eating hot dogs. Like someone that loves hot dogs so much, and he is literally famous for that. He makes money off that and he he has built his brand around that. I think that's hilarious. I don't know if that's what something I would do, but I just thought that was an interesting take. So dude, there's a whole strategy on how they eat those hot dogs. Like they dunk them in the in oh, water man. and then they like it's just really it's yeah I don't it's I don't know. I don't know if he's famous for eating the hot dogs or or um I wouldn't want to be at his home after he eats oh. all those hot dogs. So we'll see. <laughs> well Eddie, Eddie, let me ask you a question. If you were president of the United States, what what's the first thing that you would do? Wow. That's the very first thing, top of mind, you get into the Oval Office and you're like, you know what? This is what we're gonna do. Um if I were president after this uh this uh, economy 
and this um, this administration, I would probably first things first is look at uh, the economy and you know look at our tax structure and possibly you know reduce some taxes um, and put in some incentives for real middle income families um, and then you know continue to support some of the lower income families um, but definitely focus on the economy immediately yeah i think i think that's the most important thing i think again you got two votes here so you're on to a good start um on to our next question of this little lightning round this is another interesting one um and i'm, I'm excited to know what you have to say so this one is you can have an unlimited supply of one thing for the rest of your life just one thing an unlimited supply what would that one thing be uh wine no, I'm not joking. <laughs> Are you joking? I don't know. I don't think you're joking about that one. I'm not. I'm not. No, that 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 would be nice to have. Um, no, I mean definitely, it's hard. You know, health is really important, and yeah. being in healthcare and and having just gone through a pandemic, um, and um, I think everyone can can probably agree that having an unlimited supply of health is is extremely important, um, and not. Uh, I think it, some of us maybe took this for granted. And you know now it's sort of coming to top of top of the head that you can have as much money as you want, as much fame, as much success. But if you don't have any health, that how do you enjoy any of those any of those things? Family, you know, every you need health before you need you can really get anything else. So I think health for sure is is um is something that would be on that list. Yeah, such a good question, such a good answer and, and very fitting, of course, given what you do. And, and it's so true. Like, you, you can't have, you know, the nice cars and all these, you know, nice corner office if, if you don't have health. You can't enjoy all those things. So health is really important that I feel sometimes people kind of forget about it and they kind of, they burn out. They focus so much on their business. They forget to eat right. They forget to exercise when it's like kind of the opposite. Like you need to do those things to stay in the game and yep. to enjoy and to reap the benefits of, of your labor. So totally agree with you there, Eddie. And now we're going to get it and shift to the meat of things and ask you these uh, very interesting questions that, that we have for you. But before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what you do? Of course, we know that you're you're working there at, at Jackson, but tell us a little bit about your upbringing maybe and your, your story of how you got to where you are today. Sure. So I, uh, you know, I, you all, you've already shared with the, with the folks, I work at Jackson I'm a senior vice president for our health system and also the CEO at Jackson West Medical Center. That uh, This hospital is the latest hospital to open in the last 10 years in South Florida, which I know you're aware of, which was really exciting. Well, we designed it and built it from the ground up, um, and it's Jackson's first. Uh, we're the oldest healthcare system in Florida and certainly one of the oldest in the country. So it was our first sort of built from the ground up hospital, acute care hospital that we've ever done in our history. So it was really exciting to lead that to lead that team. And we have the best patient and family experience scores um, in South Florida and certainly among the top hospitals in the country. Um, we were really outperforming, you know, where we thought we would be. So I'm, I'm excited to be uh, the leader of this team and, and leading the team as well as creating jobs. We created over 600 jobs. Um, you know, there wasn't a hospital in, in the Doral area in the in the western Miami-Dade part of the of town. So we we believe we're filling a big gap. But how I kind of fell into healthcare, um, Anthony. So I went to FSU, and from an early age, just kind of got involved um, with 
politics and um, in student government, et cetera. Um, and so being in Tallahassee, and I'm sure you've been, so you know, um, you kind of get that bug when you walk the halls of the Capitol and you feel this greater sense of self, like something beyond beyond you and, and bigger than you and how you can play a role. And so I felt that uh, from the very start. Um, and so I think during that time, Charlie Crist was running for governor um, as a conservative candidate. And so I, I uh, went to his office and sat in the waiting room until someone came out to see me. Um, and they did. And it uh, took a while, but they did. Um, and I said, I want to volunteer. I want to do whatever I can. I'll do it for free uh, while I was still in school. I think I was a freshman. And they took me up on the offer, started working there. Um, and then they started paying me. And then uh, I started planning their bus tours and coordinating a lot of their rallies. And so um, I really grew within that campaign. Uh, he wins office. Um, I worked in the governor's office for about two years. Um, then at the Florida Department of Education, um, graduated. Um, at that time, it was difficult because when you're in school and working and you all can relate, it's very difficult. But I, a lot of the professors were excited that I worked in the governor's office. So I was able to kind of use that to my advantage to miss some classes and take some tests, you know, virtually and, you know, through email and stuff. So that that was that was really great. FSU was great for that, right? Because you know, since they're in the capital city, they recognize the value um, and importance of being part of being part of the, the political system and and public policy making for the state. So um, I graduate, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, came back to Miami for a short period of time. I got a call from um, the Florida Attorney General Bill McCullum, who was running then for governor. Uh, asked me to be his um, one of his leaders in in uh, public affairs, external affairs in his office. Came back, uh, didn't think that campaign was going to go very far. Um, and then I got a call um, to come back to Miami for George Lemieux, who had been appointed a U.S. senator um, at the time. Worked in the U.S. Senate um, as the South Florida director um, for George Lemieux, who was a senator appointed senator at the time for about two years, had a blast. As you can imagine, you know, he was on the intelligence committee. He was on the international affairs committee. So really had a great opportunity being in Miami, the hub of, you know, the international world, um, really playing in that space was a lot of fun. Um, and then shortly after um, his term ended, um, I got a call. I've always got a call. I've never really, you know, been looking for a job. Things just kind of happen. Um, I really am a big believer. You do your best and, and the right people notice, um, you know, so, uh, I got a call from commissioner Linda Bell. She had just won her seat in Miami-Dade County and, uh, to be her chief of staff at that time, I was probably 22, 23. So I was the youngest, um, chief of staff I think probably may even be the youngest that they've had, uh, in history, but I'm not, I can't confirm that. But um, so I did that for her uh, for about three and a half years, which was a lot of fun. Right. I got to see like politics and policy development at the state level, um, at the federal level and then now at the local level, which is less about social issues and more about, you know, your is your street paved? Is your trash getting picked up? You know, is there housing for the community? You know, what's your community like uh, helping businesses and small businesses and local businesses 
uh, really eliminate red tape for them to be able to succeed and, and to do well um, and for families to succeed at the local level. So I had a lot of fun doing that and, and learned a lot uh, with a, a lot of the colleagues, a lot of the dedicated public servants that, that work um, here locally and, and then you know got to meet a lot of the other commissioners and working with them. And I realized quickly that what I love to do is help people, right? And so, you know, whether it was at the state, the federal, the local level, I enjoyed, you know, being able to provide resources to people to for people to succeed. And um, and so, um, you know, I thought, you know, where would my next kind of career be? And I was a little bit uh, tired of politics, and and you know, I, having done it, you know from the age of 18 um, or even younger, I actually didn't, when I was in, in, in high school, I actually uh, was an intern for the school board. You know, so I worked with Carvalho and, and uh, Agustin Barrera, who was uh, on the school yeah. board. Um, so I guess I've been doing it for a long time, right? Yeah. It was a little bit, I was looking for something more, a little bit more meaningful work. Mm -hmm. um, and an opportunity came up at Jackson and I worked my way up at Jackson. I mean, I started at Jackson as like a project manager, um, they threw me to corrections. Jackson manages the uh, the healthcare for all the inmates, and so that was a little bit interesting. And and I wow. said I don't know anything about this, but you know my then boss said you'll figure it out. You've got the right attitude yeah. um, and the right skill set to figure it out. And sure enough, we did. So I I then got promoted to director of corrections health, interim director of corrections health for about a year. Um, and and uh, really helped uh, transform the lives. When you think, you know, people think, oh, corrections, oh, everyone, you know, innocent until proven guilty, right? right. Some folks are, this is not, you know, it's not prison, it's jail. Mm -hmm. So some folks are just waiting to go to court mm -hmm. or a sentencing or what have you. And so a lot of the folks there, you know, just uh, while they're there, they may be there for a year. So they need their diabe diabetic yeah. medication. They need their checkups, all those things. So I uh, did that. And then sort of became like the fix-it guy at mm. Jackson, if you will, right? So um, I went to work for the uh, COO of the health system and sort of when anything needed fixing or when anything needed, uh, when there were opportunities in certain divisions, departments, uh, business units, I would go and sort of do an assessment and see how we can improve the operations. Um, did that for some time um, and then shortly went to Jackson South. Uh, helped them open their trauma center. It's the southernmost trauma center in the U.S. is at Jackson South and then opened their STEMI facility and, and grew that hospital. Uh, left there as the chief operating officer. Um, and then um, when COVID hit, um, you know, I got a call from my boss, uh, Carlos Megoya, to, mm. you know, at the time, we there really wasn't any community testing um, mm. when we, this was, you know, close to almost three years ago. Um, I think the president had just opened the site at the Dolphin Stadium, which was not doing very well. I think it was like the mm -hmm. first week in opening. Mm -hmm. So we partnered with Governor DeSantis and, and Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunez uh, to help fund and, and they sent the National Guard. So I worked with them to develop the first testing, large scale testing site in Miami-Dade County at the Marlins Park. Wow. And then that was then used. Uh, the county commission saw that that was successful. And they then used those plans to set up uh, Tropical Park, to set up the South Day testing site, to set up a lot of the other sites. So I didn't really get any recognition for that, but that's probably one of the most proudest moments of my career. Wow. Um, those sites then transitioned to become 
the um, vaccination sites. So they use them. Uh -huh. So they started off as testing. Some of them stayed testing, but then the majority of them became vaccination and really was, you know, we, we probably tested millions of individuals and vaccinated hundreds of thousands. Um, and we did that with Jackson staff. A lot of the Jackson plans were used for that. And that kept a lot of people outside of the hospitals. I'm sure some of you probably got tested at one of those sites. In fact, the FIU site um, was set up using our plan that we had established at the at the Marlins Park. Mm. I remember having calls with Dr. Roldan and Javi Marquez and different folks at FIU um, to to set up to set up that site. So, and then uh, as part of that, then uh, they asked me to open up Jackson West. So, um, really uh, built uh, developed some of the plans, the construction plans. Worked with the really saw the project from the construction phase. So working with contractors to build the facility, to then activating this place, which was a lot of work. I mean, hiring mm -hmm. 600 people is no easy feat. Policy, yeah. you know, procedures, plans. We partnered with Miami Dade College, mm -hmm. um, and they brought you know we brought in tons of students to like pretend, be paid you know to act as patients so right. that we would be ready day one for the first real patient. Um, yeah. and you know, that, that took quite some time, a few months, and then we opened and here we are a year and a half later, you know, providing a needed service to our community. So, um, that's a little bit about me. Um, I don't even want to hear about my parents. I know yeah. Anthony, your parents are big deals. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, we learn a lot from our parents. Yeah. Um, I certainly learned a lot from, from, from my parents. My, my mom, uh, is, uh, a housekeeper and so, you know, cleans, uh, homes for, different folks in in the Miami area and my dad is it started off in construction which helped me help me for that job on this project right I learned yeah. a lot on construction with, yeah. from him and um and now he's in he does maintenance so wow. then I have an older brother and a younger brother no yeah. no middle no middle brother jokes please <laughs> <laughs> sensitive topic it's a nerve topic. um well Eddie let me let me ask you this I have a I have a bunch of questions for you but it seems to me that in every situation, uh, whether it be you hopping from job to job, career to career, or even like projects, right? You just would have a project after project. It seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it almost seems like your mindset, your attitude is like, you know, let me jump in the pool and I'll figure out how to swim. Like maybe I don't know how to swim right now, but screw it. I'm, I'm going to jump in and I'll figure it out versus saying, no, 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 I, I don't know how to swim. Therefore, I'm not going to jump in the pool, like pick someone else. That's the that's the attitude. That's the mindset that I get from listening to you, Eddie. And no doubt that hard work absolutely played a role in all of your different positions and getting from place to place to the governor's office to the county commission. I mean, without hard work, you don't go anywhere, period. But I guess my, my question would be, other than hard work, what what else do you think was a driving factor in people recognizing you? Because I mean, you're the way you grew so fast at such a young age from the school board when you were in high school to where you are now, it all seemed like you were going up and up and up and up and up so quickly. Of course, hard work, like I mentioned, without a doubt is involved in that. But other than hard work, what would it be? Do you think it's knowing the right people? Was it networking? For um, you? Was it, what what you do you know, think it is? There's so many things that play into people's lives and success. So many things. It's very difficult to pin on one thing. But I would say one of the biggest thing is I never said no. Like I always found an ability to fill a role or a gap when other people said, no, I said, yes. 
And so, you know, whether it was, you know, help volunteering in the school in the school board, you know, my principal said, you're super active. Like, I know that the school board member needs an intern. Like, would you be willing to do it? Sure. It wasn't easy to leave high school at 2.30 every day, take a bus and the metro to get to downtown to work in a school board office from 3 to 5 or 6 and file, pick up the phone. You know, that wasn't easy. Probably no one in high school wanted to do that. That didn't seem sexy or fun. But I said yes. And that became a paid internship. And that got me exposed to all of the school board members who are some of them who are still on there now that got me exposed to a different set of work and helping people and understanding that system. The same with, with, uh, you know, trying to work on in the governor's office. I sat in that waiting room for hours waiting for someone to come see me because who would want to come see a college student that has nothing to offer? I didn't take no for an answer. They came out and that wasn't a paid job that was volunteering it then became paid. They then gave me more responsibility. I then was meeting, you know, I met Governor Bush. I, I met Senator John McCain. I met multiple presidents. I flew on private jets all over the state. Um, you know, lots of opportunities that I never could have imagined. I met and worked with tons of Congress people. I didn't start with that intention. The yeah. intention is I want to do something. I want to work hard. I want to this seems like a really exciting opportunity. I may not know it, but I'll figure it out. Yeah. I always say I'm not the smartest person, but I'm, but I'll work, I'll outwork anybody. And I don't, I, I, you know, I have a couple of models, right? Um, I take every opportunity. It doesn't matter if it sounds like it sucks or it may suck. I'm going to figure it out. And I think people, you know, there's a space for people who figure it out, right? And do the job and because there's so many people out there that just say no to things and so i i try never to say no i try to you know say yes to to whenever i think i can figure it out um you know i i think that that was all that was all critical in my success in every part of the journey and the right people always noticed right i was doing the right thing at the right time because i think fate is so many things right it's doing the right thing, doing your best at the right time. There's a little bit of um, whimsy to it that we may not know. I definitely am a believer in God. So I think, you know, there's a plan for all of us and, and, and there's, you know, God prints on everything that we're, that we're working on, not to get into religion. But, um, you know, I think that all of those things, but, you know, you have to do your best, work your hardest, and then things happen. And the right people noticed. I wasn't trying to be important. I was just trying to do the right thing at the right time and that led to cooler better opportunities and meeting the right people and um and and being in the right room right a lot of times i would say things in the right room and i didn't know but someone somewhere else was saying I, that guy eddie seems really like he knows what he's talking about or like a hard worker or let's put eddie on that project and so you know i think that you never know when when it's going to happen and it may not be one thing that happens. It's multiple little things that happen. And looking back now, Anthony, at the opportunities that maybe didn't work out for me or that I thought I really wanted and I didn't get, knowing now what I know, it's probably the right thing that I didn't have those opportunities, right? Because they would have probably ended me in a different path that may not have been the path I'm on today. Um, so I think that that's, I think, one of the, maybe not secrets, but... Um, 
one of the common themes that has has been uh, throughout my life. You know, and I think, you know, and I think you could say this for your family, Anthony and Gabe, I don't know a lot about your family, but but possibly I think we would find the same thing. And for many of the folks that are listening, that, you know, I felt a, very, a great sense of family, right, uh, that, that I was instilled upon me from my parents that, you know, working hard, there's no, you know, education, working hard is is the base to anything. And, you know, I, I think sometimes to myself, there was at some point in my mom and my mother and father's life, you know, when they came to this country, I wonder what point in time they said, we need to just work really hard and be able to get them to college, make sure they have, they go to the right schools, even though they didn't know English. And they said, we have to remove the focus on ourselves. Cause I'm sure my mom wanted to go to school when she got here. My father did too. I'm sure they wanted to do all of those things. They had, you know, they had probably tons of dreams that I'm sure they said those need to be put to the back. And now we need to focus on our kids. I think about that, right? And what a disservice I would be doing to that dream if I didn't make the most of myself. Like even, you know, my mom didn't know English. How in the world she thought to sign us up for prepaid college? I have no clue. <laughs> I have zero clue. No internet. No, I don't. I don't even know how that happened. It's a miracle, you know. It's so, <laughs> you know, you gotta kind of honor that. And um, so, I don't know if I answered your question, but I got into a lot of things. Definitely no. And I, I think you know to answer that question, I think about that all the time. You asked about my family. My my parents came here forty years ago from Brazil with little to no money in their pocket, buy a trailer on Bird Road on A Street. My dad's an electrician. My mom's a baker. So I, I I speak your language and I think about that all the time about, wow, like they they did whatever they could just to put food on the table, to put a roof over our heads, to make sure to give us that opportunity. Um, and like you said, what, what a disservice it would be if we wasted that opportunity. But I, as I was listening, kind of you tell your story, something that I really, really appreciated. And I think this is something that Anthony and I really talk a lot on this podcast is early on when you mentioned that you you sat in Charlie Crist's office for I don't know how long, maybe hours, just waiting for that. That I think that was that was something that you created. You didn't waste wait for someone to call you on the phone because at that point no one knew who you were, right? You had to go out and you had to actually create that opportunity. And I think a lot of young people today, they're just waiting. You know, hey, like when is when is my when is my opportunity going to come? They, they think Amazon Prime is going to deliver their opportunity in two days, and it's like it's not how it works, right? You gotta you gotta create some somewhere along the lines. You have to create that opportunity and go out and make something happen. And then I know later on you said, "Hey, yeah, I was just getting call after call after call." But if it wasn't for that first opportunity that you created at Charlie Chris's office, I don't think you would have gotten the amount of calls that you got later on, and what led what later led you to who you are and what you're doing today. So I think that's a huge lesson. And I think I just wanted to ask you, like, how important do you think your life, like, how different do you think your life would have been if you didn't sit in that office for a few hours waiting for that opportunity to to kind of come up? Hey, Gabe, I, I teach a class at at, um, at another university. I won't I won't mention it on the on the uh, on the podcast. Um, and I, you know, and I love to speak to, you know, younger individuals because not everybody has a mentor. Not everybody has you know, someone that is guiding them or what have you. And I, I really believe people should have multiple opinions that can help shape, you know, where they want to go or with their goals. But, you know, 
I always say this to them. If you're waiting for somebody to save you, you're going to be waiting forever Mm. because that's not how that works. Yeah. Like everything you need to be successful and to achieve your goals, everything is within you. Mm. Yes. There's people that help along the way, but it all starts and ends with you. Mm. And you know, yeah, it was a bold move. Success favors the bold to, you know, to, in Tallahassee, drive to the you know headquarters for that you know that governor's race and sit there and wait for someone to see me. It was a bold move. Yeah. Every move that I've done, a lot of them have been bold, right? But you know you have to because you, if you're waiting for someone, no one's going to come save you. Mm. And so that, you know, I think that that that's one of the keys too, right? Not saying no to anything, but in along that vein is also seeking opportunities. Yeah. Right. Think, seeking yeah. up like. It's like being in student government. Like, you know, it doesn't happen a lot that someone comes and taps you on the shoulder and says, "Hey, do you want to be in student government?" No, you have to. You have to go seek that, mm-hmm. right? You have to go look for that. It's like when you're in school with a professor, and you know, maybe you didn't do so well. I mean, this happened to me the other day. Um, you know, a student was pretty bold. He's like, "Hey, the quiz that I took, it got you know marked off, and I'm pretty positive that that my answer was correct." We use a digital platform, so I don't control the test bank. And so sure enough, he was right. He changed everybody's grade in the class. Wow. wow. Because everybody, a lot of them had gotten it wrong and it was really right. Um, you know, in a 15, in a 15 question quiz that made a difference. Yeah. So, you know, it's those things, right? Not being afraid to be bold, not being afraid to kind of take the bull by the horns and, hmm. and, you know, trying to get those opportunities Um, you know, nobody gets anything handed to them. And I love what you said, you know, Amazon prime is not going (laughs) to deliver your next dream. You need to, you need to dream it and achieve it, um, yourself. Now there's people that help along the way. There's so many people that I met when I worked in the governor's office, tons of lobbyists and tons of leaders of different organizations in the state that I, that to this date, I still rely on for counsel, call for support. They call me, um, you know. Yeah, that it's it's really important. Um, you know, yeah. you know, um, you know what's interesting. So, from our perspective, and kind of wrapping up here, but from our perspective, um, Eddie of, of Gabe and I, you know, we we have the the privilege and our listeners too of hearing the story of ultra successful people like yourself, home and homegrown, and those are my favorite, right? Because we get people from like California and from other, and and those are of course inspiring success stories. But my favorite ones are like yours, like homegrown Miami, just gritty, you know, right. Miami high, just high elite, you know, just that 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 mentality. I think is different. That really we like no other country or, or state, excuse me, shares. Um, some people that come to mind where where they have similar backgrounds as yours, Eddie, and of course all of them are different. Uh, but like Steve Marins of the world, Rudy Fernandez is, Jose Felix Diaz. Those are folks that we've had on this podcast that kind of had that that same attitude of like, look, man, we're gonna make it work whether we like it or not. I don't know where I'm going to go, but I'm going to do it. Screw it. I don't care what anybody thinks. And it, it's like the same same theme, Gabe, that I'm that I'm getting from all these very successful people like yourself. Eddie, same. It's the same. It's the same. Like if you want to be part of that 1% club like you are, like you really, really got to put in the work and just hustle for it. Like wait as long as you have to wait. Drive as far as you have to drive to just get the job done. Anthony, um, all those people that you mentioned, they're all, you know, uh, good friends. But to your point, they all have the same thing, right? Uh, they don't take a no for an answer. Yeah. They're out there working hard. I mean, Jose Felix Diaz is hustling every single day. Yeah, Rudy is a, a mentor of mine, and 
He's always, you know, continuously innovating, working hard for the University of Miami. Mm-hmm. The same with Steve. I mean, I don't know anybody who, who is not, um, who doesn't get elected without Steve's support or, <laughs> yeah. or, 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 or uh, guidance yeah. and and uh, and yeah. some of the vision behind it. Yeah. So you know, that, that's all. That's all really important. Um, and you know, I think it's important for folks to have you know, a kitchen cabinet of people they can rely on mm-hmm. for support and ideas and for advice. Yeah. And so, you know, build that cabinet now. And let me tell you something, they're not going to look like you. If I was waiting for a Hispanic, you know, man from Miami to say, Eddie, let me help you, you know, achieve your dreams and goals, I'd still be waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the people that have been supportive of my career don't look like me, don't mm-hmm. sound like me. Some are males, some are females white, black, Asian, all, you know, everything under the sun, um, because there's really still good people out there. And if you work hard, the right people, I think, notice, take an interest and, and help them um, and help move you, help, help move you along. Yeah. Eddie, I got one last question for you and I'll, I'll allow Gabe to, to wrap us up. Do you have any regrets? Is there anything that you look back in your life and you say you wish you would have done differently? Um, I don't really regret anything because everything is really part of your journey. Um, every stone or pebble in your shoe, um, you know, provides support or discomfort, which allows you to achieve the next thing. Um, sure, there's some things that I, you know, could I have done certain things to be the, pre- a pres- the president? Maybe. I don't know. Could I, you know, I, I'm not really sure, but I think every, you know, we're all, all on a plan and nothing is, is by mistake. You know, everything happens for a reason. Um, so I, I don't know that I have really very many regrets because um, even things that I think now that it may be a mistake or I could have done better or differently helped me learn how to do it better or differently. Right. So um, I don't know. I, that's like a I don't hope that's not a cop out answer, but, you know, that's the story. And I'll give you another story because Jose Felix Diaz and some others can relate and Rudy can relate. You know, I was when I was younger, uh, we didn't really get summer break because you know my dad was working and my brother and i went to work with him during the summer right um and so really sounds like it's a sucky situation right going you know every summer to go work in a construction site but we learned how to drive with him we learned about construction we had a lot of fun we learned you know we got to hang out with older people um there were some summers that i did get to do a a a government-funded summer camp at tropical park which is um, in in uh, the heart of Miami, mm-hmm. the Orange Bowl did a lot of programming there. So um, you know, recently, about you know three years ago, I said I, you know I was on a lot of committees and groups, and I said I want to focus on one or two things, and because I've got a lot of work, I have two young kids now. I have a, a four year old and a seven month old, and and you know you know my wife is really busy, Miriam, who you know. So I wanted to just focus all my efforts around one or two organizations. And so I decided in that point in time, because of the great work that the Orange Bowl does with students, especially in the inner city, and I was a benefactor of that, as well as to the tie and relationship to football and a lot of other sports, which we do help fund uh, different sports and academic programs in their inner city, I wanted to be in the Orange Bowl. And I said, how do I do that? I mean, it would probably be the youngest person, you know, there aren't you know, there, there aren't a lot of ways to get on, you know, it's a very difficult board uh, committee to be on. And so I did the research, found the members, um, started meeting with them, uh, talked to Rudy many times. He helped me. 
uh, met with uh, a lot of the different members. I sought their advice. It didn't happen the first year, but it happened, you know, the second year and and really worked hard. And, and I was able to get on, on the Orange Bowl. But again, didn't come easy, didn't come in an Amazon Prime package. It wasn't a beautifully wrapped package. It was very messy. Um, it was There was a lot of vulnerability involved, right? Meeting with people, humbling yourself, continuously humbling yourself, um, but, but got it done, right? And so, um, you know, those are some of the things that we can achieve when we um, have the right mindset, when we put um, our effort, when we connect our uh, heart to our head and into our hands, right? And we get the work done. Um, there's so much that we can all achieve um, both individually, your personal goals, but then also um, as a group. Yeah, Eddie, and, you know, as I was hearing you talk, I, I was, you know, Anthony and I probably have countless stories of people that we've met and that have kind of shifted our careers or our lives in certain ways. And, you know, to your point, I don't, I can, I can only speak for myself, but I think I don't, in my short life, my short career, you know, over the past 23 years, I don't really have too many regrets because I feel like you said everything has kind of led up to something, even if it was a career or an internship that I hated, that I, I didn't like, that taught me so much in, in my life and my career now. And you can only really connect the dots once you look back. You don't, you don't really know how things are ever going to pan out until you really sit and stop and reflect and look back and think, okay, that opportunity, that, that season of my life was really to shape me and to mold me for this next position. So I think there's so much value in that. Um, and as we wrap it's up here. With people too, um, Gabe, you hit on, you hit on it because you may not have liked your about Everybody to me is a mentor. Yeah, everybody. Uh, they're mentoring me on what I do want to continue to do and how to be a good person or what I, w I would never want to do again or mm -hmm. how I would never want to make someone feel or the type of leader or team member that I don't or that I do want to be. Yeah. Um, there's opportunities to learn from every single interaction. Um, and so it's important, you know, to be a sponge, um, Gabe, to your point um, and and take something from every situation, positive or not so positive. Yeah. And I think that's a huge lesson too that we've talked about previously on the podcast where a lot of people, especially young people, they only want to take the good from their mentors or they only want to take what what the good characteristics and the good traits that they know from their friends and their parents. But there's I've learned a ton from from bosses, from parents, from friends, from mentors that are not so good that I know I want to avoid growing up. And I think that's also a huge lesson for people to take away. But Eddie, thank you so much for coming on uh, the Mindset Podcast. Um, you are an alum now. We're so happy um, that you're part of this family. Um, but before we go, you want to let our listeners know where they can find you. Um, I'm, you know, they, you can't miss the hospital. It's right off the turnpike on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on the hospital future. Yeah, that it's it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful location. By the way, I I pass it all the time on my way up north. But if you have any on your LinkedIn, Instagram, any any social media that you want to share to let people in, yeah, I'm on, LinkedIn, on. I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook. And LinkedIn, I think it's under Eddie Borrego. I don't check the messages a lot, <laughs> but um, I will get to them. Um, but I'm on LinkedIn, and um, and everyone should spruce up their LinkedIn. I think I only did it. And during in my MBA, there was a project where the professor forced us to develop a LinkedIn and make it look good. And I swear, I still live off of that LinkedIn <laughs> profile that I that I uh, made uh, during Dr. Linda Nider, an amazing professor that I that is, a, is also a mentor of mine. Yeah. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn and, and also Facebook, Eddie Borrego, E D D I E Borrego. Awesome. 
again, thank you so much, Eddie. Um, really appreciate your time. I know Anthony and I both really enjoyed this episode, and I can't wait to share with our with our listeners. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Gabe and Anthony, for for your time and for allowing me to to share um, with your listeners. And I mean, I know it's a 39 minutes, so we're a little bit long, but um, you know, hopefully, folks will enjoy it and find it interesting and pick up a few kernels that they can use in their own life. Hundred percent. Thank you so much, Eddie. Appreciate it. Thank you both. What is up, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Mindset Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode with our rock star guest. If you were listening to this episode, make sure to check us out on YouTube for the next one. And please make sure to leave us a five-star review and share this episode with friends, family, even your pets. And we'll see you all at the next episode.